This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. A few weeks back, we started a series on healing, and we've talked about a number of different issues concerning healing, really trying to lay some doctrinal foundation for you to help you understand exactly what the Bible says concerning healing and what exactly you and I can expect from God concerning healing. And we know that everything that is a result of, si- of sickness and disease and death all came from the fall of man. It all came as a result of man's rebellion. It all came as a result of our rejection of God. That's where sin and death entered into the world. We see that that wasn't part of God's perfect plan and God's perfect design because everything God made, he called good, right? You remember that in the book of Genesis? Everything he made, he called good. And we know that death, sickness, and sin, we know all those things are not good. And so Jesus came to restore order back to the creation that had been separated from God. And when he did, not only did Jesus open up the door for you and I to have eternal life, because that was the ultimate enemy of man, was death, eternal separation from God. Now we can have new life through Christ where we can live eternally with him forever. And also all the baggage that came along with that death, Jesus also took care of that. That's why the Bible says that surely he bore our griefs and our sorrows. He carried our sicknesses. He carried our diseases. We see in Isaiah 53, the Bible says, and by Jesus' stripes that we are healed. And we see that he not only paid the penalty for our forgiveness, for our reconciliation and our relationship with God, but we see that Jesus also paved the way and opened the door for us to receive healing here in our physical bodies in this earth. Now we see, though, with our human experience that sometimes we receive that healing. And I shared with you a couple of stories last week of how God miraculously has moved in my life. And I gave you testimony of the fact that I believe and know for certain that God is still in the healing business even today. But then there's those instances where you may have been full of faith, where you may have been praying, where an individual that you loved and cared about deeply, you may have been standing in the gap for them, and you didn't quite see that miracle happen. You didn't see that healing fully manifest. And it leaves us with a lot of questions. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend that I have all the answers. I know, right? You're thinking, then why did I come here today? No, I don't have all of the answers. I'm on a journey just like you, and I'm trying to learn who God is, what he has for us, just like you are, trying to learn to depend and trust on him more just like you are. And I don't have all the answers, but there are some things that I see clearly in Scripture that are very black and white concerning this subject. And I'm going to talk about those things today because one of the biggest questions is why do some people not get healed? What are the matters of health here? What are the things that we need to focus on? What are the things that play a role in us receiving our healing? We're going to talk about some of those more black and white things in Scripture, but then there are those things that we can explain. There's those things that we don't know. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today as well. And you may not 100% agree with those things, and that's okay because I don't have all of the answers. I'm going to show you what revelation God has given me through my study, my preparation. You need to study on your own. You need to make sure you're being a student of the Word for yourself so you can grow and God can begin to build your faith so you can deepen your trust in Him. Amen? Amen. So if you're taking notes, write this title down, Matters of Health. We're going to talk about what matters. Instead of hitting the subject with a negative tone, we're going to talk about what actually matters concerning receiving our healing and Christ being our healer. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17. 
we're going to look at a miracle that Jesus performed. We're going to start reading in verse 14, Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus and knelt before him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic. He suffers terribly. Often he'll fall into the fire and he'll often fall into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. They could not heal him. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I going to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring the boy to me. Verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus clearly says here that faith does matter. And we can see, oh, Jesus. We can see. God's trying to get somebody's attention in here today. It may be you. Let me tell you, brother. Faith, faith matters. And so does expectancy. Your faith matters and so does your level of expectancy because Jesus clearly said here that the reason that you could not cast this demon out of this boy is because you guys did not have faith in me because what Jesus did prior to this was he empowered his disciples with the authority to go out and cast demons out and to heal the sick. He said, I give you authority in my name. And so Jesus was telling the disciples, listen, you can go out and do this, in my authority, in my name. I'm delegating this because I want people to see the power of God at work in their lives. And the disciples went out and prayed for people and they were healed. They went out and drove out demons. But then they come to this one situation and it's too much for them and they couldn't do it. And they wanted to know why. And Jesus says, because you didn't have enough faith. But then he says something really interesting. He says, and all the faith it would have taken you is the faith of a grain of mustard seed. So apparently, whatever little faith they had was smaller than a grain of a mustard seed. Now, I don't know if you grew up on a farm or not, but if you did, you have an idea about how tiny that seed is. You see how small that that is, and you see the great results that come out of planting such a small seed. And Jesus was trying to relate to them to show them, listen, it doesn't take a lot. It's not this huge amount that you have to tank up for yourself. It's just trusting that when I said you had the authority, you had the authority. It's like this much, guys. That's really what Jesus was trying to tell them. Because I think that when it comes to faith mattering regarding healing or anything for that matter, that we get this idea that we have to tank up enough in order to qualify for the prize. I remember when I was a kid, we used to save Kool-Aid points. How many of you saved Kool-Aid points? And you wanted to get that awesome thing that was on the back of the Kool-Aid box, but you could never get enough points. And then all of a sudden, Kool-Aid did away with the Kool-Aid points program. And I'm a little bitter because I had bags and bags of Kool-Aid points that we would save to try to redeem them for prizes. And we have this idea that God works the same way. We think that if we store up enough faith, if we pray enough, if we believe enough, if we do enough good that we're tanking up this big gallon of, of faith that we can cash in when we have a need. And that's not what faith does. That's not how faith works. That's not what God is saying 
here in this particular passage of Scripture. You see, it wasn't the amount of faith necessarily in quantity as much as the source of their faith. He was saying, listen, will you trust me this much? Will you trust me a little bit like a grain of a mustard seed? Because that kind of faith will move a mountain. Because it's not you who's moving the mountain, it's you believing that I can move the mountain. That's really what Jesus was saying. He's saying, if you believe I can do this and I have the power and the authority to make this happen, then you, could, you would see this guy healed. You would have seen this thing you were believing for happen because it doesn't take a lot because I am so much bigger than whatever sickness or disease or whatever demon in hell. I can take care of that. You just got to trust me. You've got to believe I'm bigger than that. And so faith and expectancy does matter. Some people... Live in condemnation for not having the proper amount of faith. And that is from the enemy. That is a lie. Because Romans 8 and 1 says that if you and I are Christians, if we are followers of Jesus, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So that means that if you're in Christ and the enemy's been whispering in your ear the reason that so-and-so passed away or the reason this didn't happen was because you didn't tank up enough faith or you didn't do enough good, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And you need to be set free from that junk because that's condemnation. It doesn't come from God. But at the same time, I can also see that faith does play a role in the fact of where I put my dependency, where I put my trust. Every instance where faith was mentioned as being a direct connection to the reason someone got healed. You, you, you remember the woman who had the issue of blood. She said to herself, she said, I know Jesus is coming to town and I, I don't want him to notice me because I'm not really even supposed to be out mingling with the people because of my issue of blood. I'm, I'm supposed to be away from people. That was part of the law. But I know if I could just grab a hold of the hem of his garment, if I could just touch the, the, the tail end of his clothes, that I'm going to be made healed, I'm going to be made whole. And she reached out and she touched, and Jesus said, who touched me? And the woman was caught at that moment, and she said, it was me. And he said, daughter, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid anymore. Your faith has made you whole. In other words, you trusted that I could do what Scripture said I could do. That's really all faith is, is trusting that what God said he was going to do, he was going to do. And it's not this thing where I have to work myself up into a frenzy or I have to hype myself up into believing something. Rather, when I have faith and trust in someone's word, you know what it causes me to do? It causes me to rest. If I have a friend that when they speak a word to me and they tell me they're going to do something, if I'm all worried about whether they're going to do it or not, that's a lack of trust. Trust and rest go hand in hand. The more you trust God, the more you should be able to rest because you know He's faithful and you know He's going to do what He said He was going to do. And I can exhale and I can rest and I can go, God's got this. I'm just going to keep trusting and believing in Him and I'm not going to concern myself with the details. I'm going to do what he told me to do and be obedient to what he told me to do. And I'm going to rest because Jesus said, leave the mountain moving to me. Just trust me that I can do it. Leave the obstacle moving to me. Just trust me that I can do it. Have faith and trust that I can do it if I said I can and expect me to do it. So many people don't even pray anymore to ask God to heal them because they have no expectancy. I even catch myself oftentimes not bringing certain things to the Lord in prayer. But yet I see over and over again in Scripture that He told me, cast 
all your cares upon me because I care for you. He didn't say cast the big cares. Cast the big uh, things you don't know what to do with on me because I care for you. No, he said cast all. And all means all, right? And so he wants us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares about us that much. He knows us so intimately and so intricately that he even knows the amount of numbers of hairs that we have on our head. Why would we think that God doesn't care about the issues we deem insignificant that we don't bring to him? When the Bible clearly says he's for us, not against us. When the Bible clearly says to cast all of our cares upon him. When the Bible clearly says that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Why would we not bring those things to him? He wants us to petition him. He wants us to expect that he's good and trust that he's good. And he wants us to ask him. He wants us to petition him. He wants us to have faith and he wants us to expect. Now, sometimes people don't get healed because they simply don't believe that Jesus can do it. Look at Mark chapter 6. You can say all the right words, but it's not in the words. It's in who we're putting our faith in. Mark 6 in in, uh, verse 1 says, Jesus went away from there, came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom that's been given to him? Wow, how are such mighty works being done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Is that not his sister over there? sitting in the chair they took offense at this the bible says verse four jesus said to him said to those a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own household he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief and he went about teaching in the other villages so here jesus is in his hometown jesus the son of god is hindered because the people, they just didn't take him seriously. They were just too familiar. That's just Jesus. I remember when him and his dad were building that that chair for me that I put an order in for. He helped bring it over to my house. That's Jesus. That's the guy that when he fell and scraped his knee, I went and got his mom when when he was seven years old, and and I went and held him until his mom got there to comfort him. I, I, I remember this guy. This guy can't do that. Sometimes I think that we get so familiar with the idea of who Jesus is that we never ask, that we never trust, that we truly never believe. We lose that awe and that astonishment for who God is. And when we do that, we won't ask. We depend on ourselves. And we'll go, I don't know if he can really do this or not. I don't know if he really cares enough. I'm not certainly going to ask him to do anything. But when he clearly says, expect, ask, it It's just a grain of mustard seed. Just trust that I can do this. Trust that I care about you. Trust that I love you. You see, expectancy creates a dependence upon God. That's what it does, and that's really the whole thing. If you want to sum this whole thing up, it's an expectancy that creates a dependence upon God. You and I have depended on ourselves for so many things, and we think that we're so smart, and we think we're so strong, But then all of a sudden turmoil or chaos or crisis hits and it reminds us that we're weak and that we're feeble and that sometimes we're helpless. 
and that we need someone else to protect us or to save us or to rescue us. When God says, you've always needed to depend on me. He wants us to depend on him fully. That's what the Garden of Eden was all about, was truly about just depending on God. It was about us trusting him and resting in the fact that he's taking care of us and depending on him to take care of us and saying, God, you've provided everything I need. Just give me direction. Give me instruction. I'll steward it well. I'll do what you tell me to do. Instead, we think we know better than God or we'll try to help God out or we'll try to do things our own way. And the whole time God is saying, will you just get back to depending on me? Will you get back to trusting on me? Because if you trust in me, you'll be able to rest. So one of the things we clearly see in Scripture that does matter concerning our healing is faith and expectancy. We want to be people of faith, and we want to be people who expect and trust. Another thing that matters is forgiveness. While you're in Mark, go to the uh, chapter 11 of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11 in verse 22, let me give you just a little bit of a setup here. Uh, a while back, Jesus and his disciples were walking to a neighboring town, and there was a fig tree, and Jesus was hungry, and he wanted to eat a fig from the tree, but the tree didn't bear any figs, and Jesus cursed the fig tree and said, you're going to dry up and you're going to die. No one's ever going to eat fr- uh, figs from you again. The disciples thought, that's really weird. And so they just kept on walking. Later, they made it back by that same tree. And when they went back, they saw that this thing was all withered up and dead. And the disciples were going, look, the tree, the Jesus, you remember the thing? It happened. And Jesus said, yeah, of course it happened. And this is Jesus' response to that instance, Mark chapter 11. And let's look at verse 22. Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. And if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. Man, this is a really interesting passage of Scripture to me. Because you could take bits and pieces of it and really get some goofy doctrines. So we need to look at it holistically and in context check out what just happened here they walk back by this fig tree and the disciples marvel that it withered up because jesus said it would jesus's response is to give them a mini lesson on trusting god and a mini lesson on faith but he ties in faith with forgiveness he's not being schizophrenic he's not being scatterbrained Jesus is being very intentional with what he's teaching here. So Jesus says, have faith in God. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, I'm going to do that for them because I'm the source of their hope. Now, Jesus was saying, the mountain moving comes from trust in God. But then he said, when you pray, you need to make sure that you handle the things you can handle. And leave the big mountains for God to handle and trust that he's going to handle those things. He said, because if you've got something against someone, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, you need to handle that. You need to take care of that. In other words, he's saying you don't need to truly believe me to have to forgive someone else. Uh, You need to handle that on your own. 
And then trust me for the things that you can't handle. Trust me for the big mountains. Trust me for those things in your life, those obstacles. And pray and believe and stand. That's what you need to do there. But make sure that there's things in your life that you can do, that you take that responsibility to do those things as well. Because if you don't, it's kind of the same thing where Jesus said, how can you say that you love a God that you can't see, but then you hate your brother that you can see? That shouldn't be so. We shouldn't have that. How could we say we're people of faith and people of belief in a God that we can't visibly see with our physical eyes, but yet we say that we hate this person or that we're, uh, un- we're not forgiving this person, but yet we want to receive that love and forgiveness from God that we can't see? He said, how does that match up? That doesn't work out that way. So you need to make sure that if you're trusting in God, that you're asking him, Lord, help me to walk in forgiveness towards people people who've wronged me, people who've offended me, people who've intentionally done me wrong on purpose. They were mean and spiteful about it. And those that may not even know the degree to which they may have caused offense in my life. Because even medical science teaches us that if you harbor up bitterness and you harbor up anger and unforgiveness towards other people, it will affect your mind, it will affect your emotions, which will affect your physical health. Is that not true? I'm not a doctor, but I know that if we have our cortisol levels raised because of stress, and when we have our adrenaline glands pumping out adrenaline to try to balance and level our body out, that we can experience sheer exhaustion over our angst towards another person to the point to where we will physically get sick. And if we stay in that place of unforgiveness, we could be burned out physically and emotionally and depressed and not even be aware that it's our unforgiveness that's the root of it. And here we are trying to ask God to fix this situation, and he's saying, you just need to forgive. That's the root of the issue. You're asking me to handle this. I'm telling you to handle it. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across here. If there's something in your way that can't be moved, I'll move it. Trust me for that. But when you pray and you ask, make sure that you're handling those things at the root that you need to handle. Amen, somebody? You see, so faith and expectancy does matter. But so does forgiveness. Forgiveness matters. Make sure you remove the obstacles you can remove. Make sure that you're walking in forgiveness and in love towards one another. And another thing that matters that we see very clearly in Scripture is persistence. God wants us to be persistent. Flip over to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Well, there's a sermon right there. If anyone's suffering, let them pray. Go to prayer. If you're struggling or suffering, pray. Man, I could camp out there and preach a sermon. Not going to. I'm going to finish this one. How many times are we suffering and we don't run to prayer? We run to everything but. How many times are we suffering and we run to TV, we run to food, we run to some type of adrenaline high, we run to some type of thing to just help us to escape from the pressure. Jesus said that if we are suffering, we need to pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Verse 14, is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. 
And check this out. If he's committed any sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. The King James Version reads that scripture a little bit more powerfully, in my opinion, where it says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's us being fervent. It's us being persistent. It's us trusting God. You see here that he reiterates the idea of walking in forgiveness. He, he reiterates the idea of making sure that we're being transparent with one another. But he also lets us see very clearly that it's something that we don't just need to give up on, that we need to grab a hold of God and say, no, I am still trusting you regardless of what the circumstance looks like. This verse reiterates this idea, making sure we're not engaged in sinful activity as a roadblock to our health. Because sometimes it's just an extremely practical level of sinful activity that's causing us to just continually, continually be in that state of poor health. And God wants us to recognize those things so that we can truly walk in health and healing and wholeness and be the people he's called us to be, do the things he's called us to do and glorify him with our lives here in the earth. And he wants us to be persistent when we pray. He wants us to not just pray once for a couple of minutes and go, oh, well, it didn't happen the next day, so I guess I'm just going to give up on that. No, the more we pray, the more our trust and our dependence is shifted from ourselves and onto him. Amen? Sometimes we get to this place where we exhaust all of our resources, and then what do we say? Well, I guess we could pray. Like, I've done everything else that I could do. I tried this, 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 and this, and we go down our laundry list of all the things that we did, and then I guess we could pray like that's like our last option when all other options have failed, and that's how most of us approach prayer. And when I see clearly here in Scripture, he said, if you're suffering, why don't you go to prayer first? And why don't you be fervent with it? Why don't you be persistent? Why don't you say, God, I'm trusting in you. It's not the amount of prayers that makes the healing manifest. It's not the intensity or the volume of those prayers that all of a sudden gets the attention of God. It's the fact that the more that we pray, it puts our heart in a position to depend on Him and trust in Him. That's easy to do when you've got nowhere else to go. It's a little harder to do when you think you're still in the driver's seat. It's a little bit harder to do when you think that, oh, I, I, I've got this. I don't need to pray. I've got this, God. And God's like, who do you think you are? You're either depending on me or you're not. You're either trusting me or you're not. I'm either who I said I am or I'm not. And he wants us to be persistent. I've been in church my entire life, and the particular type of church that I was in, one of the main things that was taught on was the subject of healing. There's a lot of error taught in the subject of healing the way that I grew up, and I've shared some of those things with you, so I'm not going to revisit that. But there was a lot of error, but there was some truth there too. But the point is, is that I've heard probably more sermons on healing than any other subject in my life. I mean, that was taught on regularly. I heard that more than I heard the gospel preached. I heard that more than I heard a message on uh, a freedom or a message of deliverance or a message of hope or a message of salvation. I heard the message of healing preached more times 
then I can remember. And so I've heard the message over and over and over again from different speakers, from different teachers. I've heard a lot of error, heard a lot of truth, but there's one thing I've never heard preached, and that's what I'm about to teach you here today. Not one time in all of my hearing of teaching on healing have I ever heard a pastor teach on what you're about to hear today. Because we learned that faith and expectancy matters. We learned that forgiveness matters. We learned that persistence matters. But this one subject I've never heard taught on, and you are about to hear about it. Personal responsibility matters. In other words, taking care of your body matters concerning the subject of healing. Never heard anybody talk about that. Some people are asking God to heal what a good diet and exercise would heal. Hello, somebody. Amen or oh me. Some people are asking God to do... You, you see, God has created our bodies to heal and repair on their own, has He not? That's one of the ways He's made our bodies, is that we're constantly in the state of renewal and repair and getting rid of the bad and, and repairing and trying to stay healthy. I have a sore on my leg from when I ran into a ladder five weeks ago. Guess what? That thing is almost completely healed because God made my body that way. God made my body to repair that, to heal that, to bring that back to where it needed to be. Because if I have a gaping sore for six years, there's a problem. I need to get that checked out, right? So I need to work with the natural rhythms that God created my body to work with by taking care of what God is giving me. You see, I have to be a good steward of my body, Personal responsibility matters when it comes to the subject of healing. We're asking God to do something that He's saying, if you would just take better care of yourself, go to bed earlier, if you would eat better, if you would stay hydrated, if you wouldn't drink junk, eat junk, if you wouldn't abuse all of these different things, then you would be in a lot better shape. It's like believing God for my car to start when I haven't changed the oil in three years. What would a mechanic tell someone? Oh, yeah, just keep trusting God, brother. No change of stinking oil. You moron. <laughs> change the oil. It's not that expensive. Come on. You got to take care of stuff, right? We understand that. Why, why don't we try to over-spiritualize some things when God is just saying, be responsible. Take responsibility because it does matter. It does matter. Now, I'm going to give this caveat to this particular teaching because even though personal responsibility does matter, I've seen God intervene where we've been very irresponsible too. Because some things have been a result of our poor management of our physical body. That's just plain and simple. But God will still intervene on our behalf. But God's not just going to keep bailing us out over and over again for the rest of our lives. We've got to start recognizing that we have a part to play in that, and that role is taking responsibility and being a good steward. Amen? Amen. I've never heard that preached in my entire life. Some people are irresponsible with their level of knowledge of Scripture. Some people are irresponsible with what they allow in their homes. Some people are irresponsible with what they allow in their lives and the relationships that they keep. Some people are irresponsible in those areas, and it's time to step it up and recognize that God is calling us to be more responsible. 
that when we hear truth, that we become accountable for that level of truth. If you have a driver's license and a police officer pulls you over, you can't say, I didn't know red octagon meant I was supposed to stop. You can't say, I didn't understand that uh, yellow light didn't mean hurry up and get through. You can't say that because you have a certification that says you know the rules and this is why they allow you to operate a vehicle. And the police officer isn't going to let you get away with that. He's going to say, yeah, but you've got this license here. You're accountable for the information that you know and that you have received. That's why you have this. You and I have been given the truth. We have heard the truth. And when we hear that truth, we're accountable and responsible for that truth. And so if you only come to church just once a week, and that's the only type of scriptural teaching or scriptural uh, uh, involvement that you have all week, you are doing yourself a great disservice because you have to be personally responsible to grow in scripture for yourself. You see, I I hope you enjoy coming here and hearing uh, the teaching. That's great, but it's not adequate for you to grow as a disciple of Christ just coming and hearing me talk for 30, 45, 50, I don't know, (laughs) minutes a week. It's not adequate. No matter how good it is, no matter how much you learn, no matter how much you get inspired, it is not adequate. You have to take responsibility to grow Instead of saying, well, I'm just not growing at that church. What do you mean you're not growing at that church? Do you not have a Bible? Hello, somebody. Everybody's at a different place spiritually, and we all need to take responsibility for where we're at. And if we know that God has given us His Word and He wants us to understand it, whose responsibility is it to invest in the Scripture? It's ours. Sometimes people perish for a lack of knowledge, and they're simply ignorant. And I don't mean that in a joking way or an ugly way. I mean they're ignorant in the fact that they just don't know. They, they just simply really don't know. But the reason they don't know is because they haven't taken the mantle of responsibility to grow as a believer. Because Romans 10 and 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you make every Sunday here at Word of Grace, that's awesome. But you've only heard the Word for just a few minutes 52 times a year. That's simply not adequate to grow. That's not adequate. If I went to the, to the gym 52 times a year out of 365 days, that's not adequate for me to grow, is it? That's just not adequate. Why would we think that it would work that way just by coming to church? No, you need to be a person of personal responsibility because it does matter, amen? Some people are depressed and they're not healed emotionally, and that affects them physically. I talked about that a little bit with unforgiveness, but also depression because they haven't allowed God to truly be their source of joy. Proverbs 17 and 22 says that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit will dry up the bones. And I believe that that's not only talking spiritually and figuratively, but I believe that also can be taken literally. That if we aren't joyful, if we don't have Christ as our source of joy, if we're not walking in His joy, that we're walking in this broken spirit, whether that's depression, whether that's anxiety, whether that's fear, whatever it is, it will suck the life out of you. And it will affect you physically. It will. 
I mean, scientists prove this. Doctors prove this. And they try to medicate it and they try to get us to, to, to cure it. But really, we need to focus on Christ as our source. Amen? Amen? And we need to say, Jesus is my joy. Jesus is my source. It's all about me depending on Him. We need to make sure that we understand faith and expectancy matter. We need to make sure we understand forgiveness matters. That persistence matters. That taking personal responsibility matters. And lastly, this is the most difficult one, I think, for us to understand. But trust matters. When we look at why do people not experience healing sometimes on this side of heaven, I think we honestly have to take a look as I peer through Scripture and as I see how God operates, that sometimes God's sovereignty as it, is at work. And God is ultimately all about His glory being known. I know healing is God's perfect will. I know Jesus paid for healing. I don't doubt that fact at all. Sometimes we don't experience the full manifestation of physical healing here on earth, and we don't know why. Sometimes we can chalk it up to looking at Scripture and seeing that the Bible says that it's appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Perhaps it was their time. Perhaps it was something that we don't fully understand and there's tension there and, it, and, it, and it's uncomfortable and it's not fair because we see God did a miracle in someone that was a rotten, dirty scoundrel and they just weren't living for God but then we see someone that was full of faith praying and believing and trusting God that didn't get involved in near the nastiness and dirtiness that that person did. We, we see that they may slip away and they may pass away. I've been in the room with people before they pass away that we were praying for God to heal them and they said, stop praying for me. I'm ready to go home. Stop praying for me I, because they believed that our prayers were, were, were keeping them from enjoying the fullness of being in God's presence. They said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. Just let me go. And, and I don't understand those things. And I don't have a good answer for you. But the one thing I can tell you with all certainty is that God is still in the healing business. He still heals us. He wants us to pray. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to expect. He wants us to be persistent. He wants us to forgive. He wants us to take personal responsibility. But the most important thing is that regardless of what happens in our life, He wants us to trust Him. Because whether I experience healing here on this earth or fully when I see Him face to face in heaven, I still know Jesus paid for my healing. Amen? I still know Jesus paid for my salvation. I experienced glimpses of, 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 of being free from sin here on this earth. But guess what? Up until the day I die, there's probably going to be something in me that's just not right. I'm not going to be perfect, right? I, but I'm going to be perfect when I see Him face to face in heaven. I'm still going to have issue with sickness and, and junk that may try to come on me physically. But in heaven... In Revelation 21, the Bible talks about how he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. There's going to be no sorrow. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no disease. There's going to be no fear. There's going to be none of the junk we face here. There's going to be no death because Jesus defeated death. Even though we still experience that sting and that pain a little bit, we still have that comfort and hope because we know Jesus paid for us to be with him for eternity if we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. Amen? So, so that's where trust matters. That's the hard part for us to get when it comes to healing because we're very much here and now minded. 
but God is eternity-minded. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He saw our end before we were ever created. He knows the thoughts and plans that he has for us. He knows the things that we're going to go through before we even know them. And it's up to us to just say, okay, God, I'm still going to depend on you. I'm still going to trust you because I know whether it manifests in this lifetime or in eternity that I am yours and everything that you said is mine, I believe you want me to have it. Whether that's your joy, your peace, your comfort, whether it's that healing, Lord, I'm trusting you every day of my life and I want to grow in trusting you and I want to grow in dependence upon you. It's going to be great when we see him face to face. It's going to be great when we're in heaven for eternity. It's going to be great when there's no more sorrow. But in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of pain, in the middle of challenges, in the middle of mountains, I want to be on the side of the mountain mover. Amen? Amen. I want to be on the side of the one who heals. I want to be on the side of the one who is for me and not against me and who's worthy of my trust. He is worthy of our trust. Amen, church? I hope that this message has helped you, challenged you, maybe encouraged you, maybe answered some questions to what we need to look for when it comes to our healing. But if you haven't experienced healing before and you said, yeah, pastor, I feel like I've done some of those things, or I'm not sure if some of those things maybe I understand fully, ask God to reveal to you, Lord, help me to see the area that I need to grow in. You want me to grow and, 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 and focus on this area? Or is it something I need to clean up in my personal responsibility? Is there something I need to clean up over here, God, where, where I can get stronger in this area, Lord, so I can fully put my dependence on you instead of putting my dependence on myself? Because really, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Faith and trust and dependence on Him because He's worthy. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit WOGCC dot